Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. We will be talking about the contents of our mind, mouth, attitude, and life actions, and how these are the staples to further understand our authority in God's kingdom. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this worship that we've had. Thank you for your presence that leads, that corrects, that breaks molds, that sets our hearts, that fixes our eyes on you. Would you speak to us today about about your humanity, Jesus, and open our eyes to you, our Savior, our King, our High Priest who understands us. Amen. So first, the first in the series was Jesus, Light of the World. I love that message. That's you. Jesus comes as the light of the world, and then he puts his light on the inside of you. And you walk around with your phenomenal cosmic power in an itty-bitty living space your whole life. The light of the world. A city on a hill won't be hidden. That's you. That's your life. If you don't feel that about yourself, examine it. It's January. All kinds of things happen at the beginning of the year. You turn the page into something new. There's almost an ease to fast. There's almost an ease to clean up your house. It's just like, I don't know, there's something that happens. It makes you... Makes you have desire to want to have something new happen in your life because it's a new year and our God is doing new stuff all the time. Second message was about the bread of life. And you know, I was going to preach that message on there's more to live in this life than bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, I was going to preach it like that. And then God spoke to me, no, preach about the bread. And I know it's a, a keto world, I understand that. But the bread of life is a different thing. It's about the way that he becomes part of you. He becomes ingested. He becomes part of your nature and part of your character, so much so you can hardly distinguish him from you when you're walking and living in your day-to-day life. And so today I wanted to talk about the human side of Jesus because in the Bible he calls himself the Son of Man. It's 80 times in the, in the four Gospels, so about 20 times per Gospel. Jesus was in awe, recorded saying, son of, the Son of Man. The Son of Man has come. And and we're going to read a lot of scripture, so hopefully it won't be tedious. I can't preach better than the Bible. But I want to pour out some of those times where Jesus said, the Son of Man. And then he explains what he meant by that or, or in what reference it was. But imagine Jesus coming from heaven to humanity and making an expression, the Son of Man. Why would he do that? What is special about human? Think about it for a second. We are human beings, right? I know there's artificial intelligence. I follow all kinds of science, and I listen to TED Talks, and I, I, I get all that stuff. But artificial intelligence, even if it looks like me, it won't feel what I feel, ever. It'll never be able to touch like I can touch. It'll never be able to comprehend what I can, because I'm a human, and I'm made in the image of God, and so are you. And so the most unique, and maybe I would even say the most marvelous thing about us as humans is that we can feel. We have the capacity to have compassion for people. And I mean, there's something about being up close and personal. The further you are from a situation, the easier it is not to have compassion. You know, the other side of the world, have you you thought about fighting that's still going on on the other side of the world? Do Do you have a soul in you that says, man, God, bring peace. Set things right between Russia and Ukraine, God, would you help the people who are hungry, who are fighting for what they believe? Would you put your spirit in them and on them? Compassion is easy when you're close up. Your family members, your, your kids. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Jesus made himself close up on purpose. He entered the realm of everybody all the time, constantly reaching out. And I do this too. I know that some of you are like this. You're a pursuer. Man, how can I get on your boat? How can I get in your house? How can I come and sit at your table and understand what you go through? Not because I'm the answer, because he is. So when I walk into a room, I don't walk in there thinking what it's going to offer me. I walk in there thinking what I have to offer because I know who's coming with me. You know what I'm saying? You know, they say if you say, you know what I'm saying all the time, you, you feel like you're misunderstood. I don't know. We'll see about it. But I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that intimate compassion, humanity. You know, the world is trying to stifle that all the time. All the time, trying to make us cold, trying to just make us like a machine, trying to make us look at our relationships through hardware and software all the time. There's something about face-to-face. -face. There's something about looking in eyes. There's something about having a connection and a conversation and reading the room and reading the person and noticing if they're not there and noticing when they are and championing those things. It's compassion. It's the human side. When we talk about the human side of Jesus, we are in no way diminishing the deity of Jesus. He's the son of God. We get that. The son of God made the son of man. And so for me, you know, the philosophical side of me starts to ask questions when I'm going to teach like this. Do you see if you ever think this or if it's just me? What if all the stuff that we think and talk about and teach, what if it's not real? Do you ever think like that? What if God isn't real? What if I'm just doing all this and it's just like not even real? What if Jesus was just a man? I mean, there's evidence that he was here, but what if he was just a man and here I am giving my whole life and Everything I do and everything, and he's not even real. Do you, do you ever think like that, or is, do, am I the only one who has doubt that ever comes? Because doubt always comes. Always comes, man. It is, it's a way that I pray constantly. I'll be like, Lord, help doubt be far from my mind. Help me to be a person of faith. Help me to believe that you are who you said you are. Help me to walk in who you said I can be. Because doubt is a killer, and it sneaks in, and it creeps in, and it's continual. And it's a liar. Because here's the thing. People have said this about Jesus, and I, I buy into this. Either Jesus was crazy, because only a crazy person is going to say, I'm the son of God. I'm here to forgive all the sins of the world. Go ahead, put me on the cross. I'll rise again in three days. If only a crazy person is going to say that. So he's either crazy. Okay. The thing about that, what we can deny that claim with is that Compassion is not crazy. It's selfless and giving, and it's contemplated. A crazy person doesn't contemplate compassion on purpose and go help somebody on purpose. Jesus is constantly giving food. He's constantly sacrificing sleep. He's constantly going the extra mile on purpose in his humanity. People say he was, maybe if he wasn't crazy, he was a narcissist and a liar, making claims that were way up here, you know, thing about that, well, how we can debunk that is how many people died and never recanted what they saw in Jesus. In Fox's book, Martyrs, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's like yay thick, it's over 2,000 people are named that gave their lives. I wrote some down. Peter, Paul, Jude, Bartholomew, Thomas, Luke, Simon, Barnabas, Stephen, Philip, Matthew, James the Great, James the Lesser, Matthias, Andrew, Mark, John. Yes, even John. I know he was banished to the Isle of Patmos, but not before being thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil and escaping unscathed. 
miraculously. And the people were so afraid of him because he wouldn't die in the boiling oil that they banished him to another island. You're not going to let yourself be thrown into a vat of boiling oil for a lie. It's just not possible. It's just you wouldn't do it, and you sure wouldn't let your kids do it. Something happened, something profound. He's not crazy. He's not a liar, and it only leaves us with a conclusion that he is the son of God. He is the son of man. Woo! Matthew 3.17. I'm just going to read you all kinds of scriptures. So you don't even have to stand up today. But in your heart, just posture it to thank God for his word as you lean into it. Matthew 3.17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, we'll walk a little bit through his life, he came up out of the water and suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said this, this is my beloved son. Okay. You are watching Jesus be baptized, and then a voice comes from heaven. You believe. If you ever see that, you are going to believe it. I'm just saying. You're going to be utterly shaken, and you're going to be changed completely. This is my son. It's the son of God. And there's a voice from heaven. We're going to see this later at the transfiguration. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen a couple of times. And eventually Jesus comes to the place where he says, hey, that voice that you hear, that's for your benefit. I already know who I am. I already know what I came here to do. The voice is so you can hear and so that you might know. But you see me and you still don't believe. You know what we're coming against this year? Doubt and unbelief. We're going to break doubt and unbelief off of people's minds. Because if you believe in something, you're going to talk about it. And if you talk about it, people are going to hear you. And if people hear you, lives begin to be changed. Transformation begins to happen. Forgiveness begins to take place. And we start to stand up in who we're, who we're called to be in the first place. The children of God. You know? Who, who does it mean to be? What does it mean to be the son of man? God in man. A man full of God. God in a man. Isn't God in you? Now? The Holy Spirit living in you. Speaking to you. Go this way. Go that. That's good stuff. Matthew 20. Whoever wants to be the first, this is Jesus speaking, must be your slave. And then he says it. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Now, every time that we read this, remember this is Jesus marveling that he has become a human, that he can feel what you feel, that he is like in awe of the creation that he made. And he is experiencing it firsthand right here. The son of man, you guys. It's like if I walked around and said, the daughter of God is happy to be in the house today. The daughter of God loves being a mama. The daughter of God is married. It's a good thing. Do you see what I'm saying? He's like, the son of man came not to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In Luke, Jesus said, foxes have dens, bird, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is marveling that people would follow him. He's living like a nomadic life from place to place with a lot of money to travel. He's doing it. The son of God, the son of man. Okay. So last week, we talked about, at the end of the message, we had the round tables and, you know, Jesus, the bread of life. We had communion together. And there was a little list of questions. And the last question was, what do you value? What are your values? At the beginning of the year, it's a good time to identify what you value. And you might think, oh, that's easy. I value my family. I value my work. I value my health. I value my relationship with God. And I could just go blah, 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 blah. Because if you did, how would you add value to those things? Because if someone says, I value my family, 
and I value my relationships. But when you have time to be with your family, you go fishing or... I'm not saying you can't go fishing. Go. Please go fishing. We want you to come back and be in a good mood. But I'm saying, or if you have time to be with your family, but you went shopping, let's put it in that realm so that the men will feel like it's fair. Sometime you have to get to a point where it is about your family and you did do the thing and not gritting your teeth to do it. If that's your value, how do you add value to it? Because once you add value to what you value, then the value of what you value begins to value others. And then others begin to value what you value too. Did you follow all that? I don't even know how I said that. I probably couldn't say that again. But what do you value? And start to live according to what you really value. If you value your health, but you dump a bunch of junk food in it all the time, you don't value your health. You value your taste buds. See what I'm saying? This is different. If you value your life and longevity in it, do you ever exercise? Do you ever move? Because if you don't move, you won't be able to at some point. What do you value? See what I'm saying? This stuff is so convicting. It's so good. It's like the son of man living in, what, in your situation, in a flesh, in a body, in a cage, man. It would be like a cage for him. And looking out through it and still in complete awe and wonder of who we are and what we can do and how we can feel. It's powerful, isn't it? It's a great thought. So along that line, what does, what does the son of man value? in the things that he's talking about in the scriptures that we read. What are his values? Now, I mean, I believe God the Father has a value for humanity. He values humanity. He values relationship, a personal relationship with us. How does he add value to that? He takes his only son and makes him become human and dwell among us, right? And what were the things that Jesus talked about? When he's making the confession, the proclamation of the Son of Man, here are the things that he values. I'm going to talk about a few. First of all, he values his earthly work. He values what he came here to do. He values the work that he's going to do right here among us, including healing, miracles, casting out demons, teaching about the fellowship of the saints, teaching the the truths of the Bible and the old time scriptures, opening them up. He values it. Here's the scripture, Mark 2.10. I want you to know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on the earth. He has a value for that. And he's amazed that the Son of Man can do that. Matthew eleven nineteen. To what can I compare the generation? Here he's valuing an exploration of the times that he lived in. He goes, and, and even before it even comes to this part, he's talking about, man, we play a dirge for you, and that wasn't good. We played a happy song. You didn't dance. It doesn't matter what we do. You know, John the Baptist came, and, and eating locusts and honey only, and you didn't like him, and I come drinking with you and eating with you and hanging out with you, and you call me a wine, but burn a glutton. He's saying, this generation, who can help it? He said, the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you call me a drunken and a glutton. He's making us aware. He values the work that he's doing on the earth. Jesus changed the entire culture, the entire landscape of how, we, how church was viewed, how religious leaders were viewed. Did he not? He's constantly taking them on, constantly putting them in their place, constantly bringing us back to the place where we understand things like, yeah, we honor the Sabbath. We have a value for coming to church. That's why we're sitting here this morning. You know, of course we do. Of course they did then, exponentially then. But he says the Sabbath isn't, for ma- isn't, isn't made so that you can follow the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there for you. 
It's made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? Jesus is constantly breaking this stuff down. Look at this. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on, compassion on them, and he healed their sick. He doesn't call himself the Son of Man here, but this is an example of him loving the work that he's doing. Everywhere that he goes, he's healing somebody. He's calling somebody up off of the ground out of their sin. He's speaking life to the situation. He's correcting religious leaders. He's loving the guys. I mean, you guys know Peter and Andrew. I mean, those guys are rough. James and John, the sons of thunder. These are some, these are some tough cookies, man. These are the guys that he chose to befriend and to walk with and have fellowship with and to have communion with. And you know those guys, man? You know they said some stuff. You can And it was probably funny. Jesus is trying to hang out with these guys, be the example for these guys, and still speak life to these guys. And he, he, he probably was amazed at the, the fact that Peter is funny with some of the stuff that he would say. And he would marvel at being the son of man. Mark 2, 27, Jesus declared, the Sabbath not made for the man, the man for Sabbath. The son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus values the work that he did on earth. Secondly, Jesus values his coming, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. Now, those are also works that he did while he was here, but they also took place in heavenly realms. Things we couldn't see that were happening three days in the ground were taking place monumentally in the parallel universe that we can't see. Does that make sense? Did I lose anybody? Okay, Jesus values his work in suffering, dying, and resurrecting. Listen to this. Matthew 17, 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light, and just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, I love this, God just, you got it wrong, Peter, I'm just going to go ahead and talk right over you, right here. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them in a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. And in him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they all fell face down to the ground, terrified. And Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. Mark 9, 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders. Don't tell anyone about what you've seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. He has a value for that. You know, he's doing work in you that he doesn't want you to talk about yet. He's doing things in you that he wants just you and him to know about for a minute. Just you and him. And then all of a sudden, when it's time and it's obvious, talk about it then. Right? Under promise, over deliver. Mark 14, 21. He values his death. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. For it will be better for him if he had not been born. And perhaps above all, in Mark 8, 31, Jesus says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, by the chief priest and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and after three days rise again. Mark 9, 31. Because he was teaching his disciples, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. After three days he will rise. Mark 33. Guys, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priest, to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over. 
to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. What did Jesus value? And what do you value? Because the world can be in crazy chaos going round and round on a merry-go-round. Things are cyclical in the earth. But Jesus values his work here, and we should too. If we, if we can value these things and stop and read them, you know, we know these things are true, but we don't pause and actually read it right out of his word like that very often. And when we do, it does something in our hearts for those of us who love him, who have been changed. You know, when I have those doubts about, is this stuff real? Is this real? Are you real? Like, are you really there? Because you really could have intervened right here, and you really could have su- supplied a little more right there to my need, and you really could have healed and, I'll, and I do, I talk to him like that. It's a miracle I haven't been stricken down by lightning. But when those things happen, and I wonder if he's real, I have to settle on this. If he isn't, my life was changed by the thought of him, which is pretty profound. And when I say his name in the dark, when it's just me and there's fear, fear is dispelled. And when I teach my little grands how to say the name of Jesus when they say I'm scared, and then they're not scared, it's enough. There's something taking place in a supernatural realm. The things that matter to the Son of Man matter to the sons and daughters of God, right? Okay. I wish I was almost done. I'm about halfway. Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. Do you ever get to that point where you feel like, I should be following God, but I should tell somebody about that, but we get afraid. We, we get afraid. This is the thing about being human. People say that humans are frail. That humanity is a frail thing. I mean, I disagree with that. I think we're pretty pretty tough. I was going to say BA, but you probably can't say that in church. We're, we're pretty tough. We have, we have strong spirits within us. We're survivors. You know, we're still here. We're still reproducing. We're still among the living. We've still survived 100% of our days and our trials. Now, we're frail in the sense that you've got to feed this thing multiple times a day or it gets weak. You know, it's frail in, in the sense that if you don't move it and exercise it, it will decline. I get that. But there's something about the human spirit that is just amazing. And our minds are powerful. Our thoughts become things. Our minds, if you think it, and you can almost guarantee, there it is right around the corner. So how you think matters on how you live. How you speak will follow how you think. What do you think on all the time? Base it on your values. Base what you think around what you value, and you begin to add value to what you say you value. Right? Mark 13. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send angels and gather his elect, that would be you and me, from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Matthew 24 27, as lightning comes from the east and is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus said that about himself. 
He's saying all these amazing things about dying, and then he's saying, hey, you know how lightning flashes in the sky? The Son of Man's going to come back just like that. Somebody said, whoa. The Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on a glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. John 5, he has given him authority. He, God, has given him, Jesus, authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Wow. Now, this one's kind of long, but we'll lean into it anyway. John 12, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, and they said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied to him, Well, the hour has come that the Son of Man will be glorified, and very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, that servant will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from the hour? No. It's for the very reason that I came. It's this hour. Now, Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will. This is the part where Jesus says, that voice is for your benefit. I already know who I am. I already know what I came here to do. I value what I do. I value my suffering. I value my death. I value my resurrection because I value you. And in my work, I'm going to bring you back into a relationship with the Father. And I came to live how you live, that I might know how you live, that I might know that you're going to need the Holy Spirit to come and live in the middle of you. Because this is hard. This stuff is hard. But I'm not praying for it to pass me. I'm praying for the strength to go through it. And I'm praying for God to be glorified in the middle of it, in the middle of me the daughter of God. I'm just going to start calling myself that. The daughter of God likes this service. To refer to myself in the third person, the daughter of God likes this new sound system. It sounds crisp. The daughter of God likes the favor of God. The crowd spoke up. Hey, we've heard that the law of the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Don't you want to be the person that says, let me tell you, pull up a seat, Let me tell you how I used to be broken, and now I'm bold as a lion. Let me tell you about those times when I used to wonder in fear where I was going to live and what I was going to do with my life and how broken I would be and how many tears I cried and how now tears have turned into joy. That I have a vision and I have a hope and I have a future and I have another generation coming up behind me and a generation after that. And life is good because God is for me. Who could be against me, right? Ah, Full of man, full of God, full of God, full of man. So Jesus, always going the extra step, the extra mile, the extra length to get on somebody's boat, to get into somebody's business in life. I want to ask you this. As a child of God, what lengths can you recall going to to get in someone's life? To walk next to somebody, to help somebody, to be the ambassador of Christ. You know, a lot of times people will say, my mom and I have had this conversation, well, I invite them, and then I take them out, and then they never call me back. That's her talking at me. But it would be just like, I know, and you did a good thing. Ask him again. Ask him again. It's like Jesus. It's the work of Jesus. You know, you don't have to be lonely unless you want to. 
And there's a time to be alone, and there's a time to see God. Jesus is always trying to get out of the crowd, always trying to find a place between him and God, and he does too. And thank you. Then he ends up at this place where, you know, the crowd always seems to be ministered to before his own need, but it's not true. He's always going to find the little sanctuary, the place with just him and the Father where he's speaking to him. He's always pursuing it, always looking for it. You should do that too. You should always be looking for the quiet place, the secret place, that place where God can speak to you, just you. And then you're ready and you're full and you have a capacity to love somebody else. If you didn't let him love you first, what are you giving out of your own self? No thanks. Let's go ahead and find that mercy of God, that peace of God, that love of God, that joy unspeakable and full of glory, because that's what people like. People, people get drawn to that. People like kindness. People like being around somebody who has their family thing together. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. People that have a, a heart that seems to be enjoying the life that they're living. People are drawn to that. That's you. What is that? Uh, I died that you might have a life of abundance. So live it all the way. Now listen to this. Right at the end, we're looking at Jesus. He had a mission. He fulfilled it. We're looking at his values, the things that he valued. And now, there's certain parts of it that land on you as an advocate for him. But I'll tell you this. In heaven, Jesus is unique. Jesus is the only one who became a human and then now reigns there from heaven. Okay? That gives Jesus, I hope you get this, Jesus is the only one who knows you and what you've been through and how you're living and what it feels like to have this thing you got to take care of every day with this awesome, phenomenal mind and spirit that wants to worship him. He is your advocate in heaven. Do you get that? He knows you. He's the only one. He's unique in it. He understands what you go through. Here's a scripture I like in Hebrews. It says, we have a great high priest who has passed, this is Paul speaking, who has passed through the heavens. It's Jesus, the Son of God. And let us hold firmly to what he, what we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who was tempted in every way that we are. But he was without sin. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can stand up. Sometimes I think it's hard to let ourselves experience feeling compassion or reaching out to help somebody. We've said it like this around here. Every, every believer is a minister. You are. I mean, if you carry the light of Jesus in you, you're a minister. I'm not the only minister here. All of you are ministers, and you're ministers of reconciliation intended by God. And so sometimes when you put your hand out, to help somebody, they bite it. And sometimes they just whack it off. And you pull back a bloody stump. I get it. That's happened to me a lot of times. And I whimper and I pull back a little bit and I let God heal me and then I put my hand out again. Because that's whose I am. And that's who I am. And that's who you are. And so sometimes it's hard to be human, you know. But you can do it. You're made in his image. And so what we do is we withhold relationship, we withhold trust, we withhold like connecting with other people because we're afraid. We're afraid that we'll be rejected or we're afraid that we won't be enough or they won't like us. And, you know, we have all these excuses and all these human reasonings. And this is where we have to associate with the Son of Man 
and understand that God has put us where we are with his purposes in us on purpose that we might live full of compassion, the sons and daughters of God. God, help us to understand who we are and whose we are. Set your purpose on our heart, God. Thank you for becoming the son of man. Thank you that you can do everything, and we can do everything through you who gives us strength. We trust you with our very lives. Would you lead us today? Would you speak to us, God? Would you open doors of opportunity for us to breathe your name, Jesus, into a situation? Thank you. Amen. Love you guys. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with the Loft, you can give on Givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.